Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 15, Chats 8. Each week we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series, Sense8. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the guy at the Apple store who sold Daniela Velasquez two phones for some reason. It's Magellan. <laughs> she, I, she just uh, spoke me around in circles for like three minutes, and before I knew it, I was selling her 20 phones. Before I knew it, my shift was over and I didn't care anymore. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, lady, that's weird. Yeah. You want to pretend to be the same person on two different phones? Okay, okay, I don't have to get paid enough. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. You can, you can just do that, right? You can buy multiple phones and I don't know how that works with your network plan. They just give you two different phone numbers. Interesting. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, yeah, it's family plan. You just, but I'm the family. They're gonna family be like, "Who's the family?" I don't now think that... they—they're not like okay. Make sure they have a family. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, it's a found family. They're like, we want to see birth certificates. They're like, damn it. <laughs> uh, that would be a wild scenario, which we're now going to depict right here. And then we're in costume. A whole yeah. set comes down. There's music and a live studio audience. <laughs> the lights cut. <laughs> the lights come up. <laughs> Never mind. I was so determined to make that bit work that I was like, "I'm gonna build a scenario and then make it work." And I, there was nothing there. <laughs> Happy New Year, bud. Happy New Year. It's good to be so new in the year with you. It's not the first chats that we're releasing this year, but it's the first chats that we're recording this year because of how time and space work, y'all. Uh, so. We're here. It's 2023. Chats is back better than ever with more humor and more TV discussion after the designated five to ten minutes of unnecessary banter. <laughs> <laughs> How's the wife? That's How are fair. the kids? Uh, the We got into a screaming match. Uh, my daughter said, I don't even want to be here. My wife doesn't know me anymore. I told them to get the fuck out of my face or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty good things are good um yeah my name's milton uh <laughs> what else what else what else is new uh we watched sensei it's a pretty good show how's we your did. how's the new year treating you so far fresh and fun day three the third dawn of the third day um yeah no complaints so far i got back to work today for the first time after the break which was challenging uh me too waking up getting out of bed all of that is hard but uh we do the damn thing and i oh i didn't tell you this my improv class got canceled that's why i'm not funny anymore the whole class yeah not the sesh the whole whole thing or the one week session of it the whole thing golly why not enough people registered correct exactly right what a bummer Uh, and there's not another one of that level going on there's another one of that level on Monday nights, which is when we record. So we could switch it. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. The next class is in March, so I just have to. I just have to figure out okay. what to do with myself for two months. Damn, that's a bummer. I'm sorry that yeah. happened. Yeah, nothing can be done about it. It's not everybody wants to take a Sunday afternoon improv class, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just was looking forward to it, and now I have to replace that time with something else. It's all good. One of the things I replace it with is podcasts, like Chat's 8. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that's a normal thing to do with your time is <laughs> fill time with more labor. If you didn't know already, we watch Sense8 every week and we talk about it. And we're continuing our cavortion, our adventure, our trapeze extravaganza through season two of Sense8 with all I want right now is one more bullet and what family actually means. The first episode was written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. Now, to correct the record, we were misinformed by the Internet Movie Database. Uh, both the Wachowski sisters were not credited with writing these episodes. Uh, Lily had departed from the writing team by season two. So for all of season two, they're all written by Lana and J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, Lily not writing anymore. And then the director shuffles between Lana and the other like people in the cavalcade of Wachowski dumb. Mm-hmm. So... That's correcting the record. Going back to all of season two and forward, it's Lana and Jameis. Uh, this episode was directed by Dan Glass, who is a visual effects artist with the Wachowskis, and it aired with the rest of season two, part one, technically, if you consider that finale part two, on May 5th, 2017. But John, what happened in All I Want Right Now is one more bullet. In this episode, a familiar face comes back from the dead. A depressed Leto turns to Sun for comfort, and Lila lures Wolfgang into a trap. And Lila lures Lely livers to their lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I can't finish it's it. It's a tongue twister. It's a tongue twister. She does it some tongue twisting. Doesn't she lick Wolfgang's nipples in this episode? I think she flicks them. Okay. She he's he's kickboxing, and she kind of does like a little swoop of the finger on the nipple. Oh, that's what it is. That's weird. What? Yeah, the whole thing is weird. She's like, yeah, violating many boundaries of his, both physical and metaphysical. <laughs> and meta meta human, even. Yeah. Um, the episode does build their plot line to something this week, which was interesting. But I want to get your temperature check first. You know, I, I was I was sick a couple weeks ago as of this episode coming out. And now I want to take your temperature and see, are you feverish for these episodes or do you feel totally in homeostasis? <laughs> I face pumped myself so hard. <laughs> I face pumped so hard that I basically slapped myself. In the face. <laughs> I, what can I say? I've caught a bit of a bug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My man. I, um, Look, these ones are fine. I, I, uh, you know, finally we got to a thing in this first episode that I was wanting, and I spoiled this for myself. This is the thing I spoiled. I think I said a while ago I spoiled something, which yeah. is that the cluster fights another cluster. Oh, and it's like cool. Fuck yeah! Like we're fighting the other cluster because it that happens at the end of this one. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it then it's like ah, that was the that was it. Come on. I want to weigh more nah. of that. Way more of that. So, you know, we're moving. At this point, it's like I can sense that all of these plots are eight. getting to the end game. Sense eight. I can sense eight that all these plots are getting to the end game, and I'm ready for it. Um, I think I'm ready to say goodbye to the show. I've really enjoyed it, and now it's like, all right, we had we had our fun. Let's let's get there. Um, so that was my feeling about these. I think they're decent episodes. I think they're a little better than the last few. Um, and I'm 
I'm ready to hit those last three episodes. What about you? What was your your vibe here? These episodes felt like I was eating leftover tiramisu, where I'm like, (laughs) the first time I eat it, I'm like, this is the perfect dessert. Nothing has ever been better than this. And then I eat too much of it. And I'm like, oh, God, that's like the beginning of season two. Oh, God, I Uh ate too much. And then we took like two weeks off, you know, because of like everything that we've been doing, basically. Right, I'm like, oh, right, do right. I? I think I want some tiramisu, but I didn't we make watched new some Star ones. Trek and stuff. Yeah, we watched a lot of st- yeah. a whole season of Star Trek in between this and last time. Uh-huh. Uh, and now I have tiramisu again, but it's the same batch that I made before. So I'm like, um, I mean, yeah, that's yum, yeah, yum. I love it, but I should have just made <laughs> fresh. I should have just made something else. I should have watched a new show. So I, yeah, in that <laughs> sense, I too feel like this is good. This is still good. I'm not mad at any of this. Not offended. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not even bored. I'm just right. I'm just done. I would like this, this to be done. This was the the. I love this tiramisu thing. I want to introduce a metaphor that I was thinking about when I was watching this, which is sure. Uh, watching Sensei is a lot like watching a juggling routine, <laughs> and what I yeah. mean by that is like when you first see someone. I got three balls in the air. Whoa, that's cool. Whoa, cool. Four balls. Oh, my God. Five balls. Six, seven. You got eight balls. In- You're juggling eight balls right now. That's nuts. Like, just the sheer fact that this is happening, that it's fluid, that it's all working, that you're able to put a hand on this ball and, like, make contact with it, and then it's up in the air, and it's flying around, and then it comes back. Like, that's amazing. And to me, that's the dazzling, impressive technical feat of season one is like you have eight protagonists and it is coherent um and like compelling in in a lot of it but like you're not going to sit there and watch somebody juggle eight (laughs) balls just continuously without mixing it up for like an hour because at a certain point it's like yeah this is impressive but that's that's what it is you want to see them like Throw some knives in there, yeah. Or like start spinning plates, or like get Tomatoes. something on your nose, or like ride a unicycle, like do something with it. And I, that's what I want to see the show do a little bit more of. And these episodes, they're they're doing that. It's like here's the other cluster. In the next episode, it's like here's a lot more of the like main plot lore stuff, uh, and then our kind of side character stories. It's like, look, here's where they're going to go. Sun's going to do this. Leto's going to do that. Awesome. Get on the fucking unicycle, like put a knife on your nose and then keep juggling these balls. Because yeah. right now we're just kind of doing like the classic juggling routine, which is still impressive. I can't do that. Not possible for me to do that. I applaud you for doing it. But like it, it's season two, you know, so that that's my feeling about it and what I was thinking about when I was watching these. I love this. I love this metaphor. And because it's also like, what if he pulls out the unicycle and the circuit closes in 15 minutes? And you're like, what are you, what were you planning to <laughs> yeah. do with that? You're going to, you're going to ride the unicycle. You're going to do those eight balls and you're going to set them up again. And because, yeah. because the two biggest things that happen in this episode are, well, in terms of main plot are, uh, mm. well, everything, a lot of things are building. So we have like Jonas whispers, the chairman versus whispers, all of that stuff. And you're like, you guys did not give yourself enough runway to finish this. You are, I'm looking at the end of the Netflix episode listing and you can't do this the right way in that time. Huh? Figure that out. And meanwhile, 
like Lila, the other cluster, the brief shot that we saw of them, I'm like, no, I'm mad that you're showing me this because I know you're not going to do anything with it because you ran out of show to do it. God damn it. So it's, yeah. it's yeah, the, the clown is finally doing the coolest stuff in his routine as the circus is closing up and the bearded lady's packing up the truck and they're going home. Right, right. Uh, that's that's how it feels. It's like we're we're in the swan song, even though the show doesn't seem to know it yet. Right. Um, do you want to talk about this main plot with the chairman? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Jonas is back. Hey, what's up, Jonas? Um, and it's just kind of weird i don't know it's like are we still friends what's what's up with you and we learn that jonas is alive because he is a convenient tool for some mysterious person who's a bigger bad than whispers mm-hmm. who's in charge of bpo we don't know who that is they're referred to as the chairman and that's about it. There's there's some sort of internal politics going on where there's a chairman who wants to use the sensate uh, murdering people to murder people and needs whispers to do that, but doesn't like whispers or doesn't trust whispers or something. And so I because wouldn't. Jonas and whispers are linked, they can use Jonas to spy on whispers for them. And that's the situation we're in. Um I don't like this trope. It's like a, mm-hmm. something I really don't love as a way to raise the stakes of, oh, you thought so-and-so was bad? Well, you haven't met the chairman. Yeah. I, that's, that's I've just seen that enough times that that's kind of boring to me. Um, but it makes sense as a justification for why would Jonas possibly be alive. Um, and I feel like knowing this show, the chairman is going to be some reveal like Angelica's alive and she's the chairman or, you know, something It's like that is going to happen. But it's that's a what's classic stakes raise. There. Right, right. And like raising the stakes is important and useful, but I still think Whispers is an interesting villain and counters what the sensates can do in an important way. And the fact that he can go into their head and breaks that the the one key thing that they can do is that they're in each other's heads and he can do that too is like fascinating. But they did that in season one and they can't just keep doing that. So they're building somebody else. But like the reveal of the chairman can never be as exciting as the buildup. It literally can't. If it's what, is it going to be like, it's Felix. Like what? It's not going to be somebody we know. you imagine though if it was felix i really wish it was or like felix's yeah. grandfather that would be awesome or uh it's gonna be some like random british white guy that we're gonna go oh okay you're the, the chairman i guess right cool yeah yeah you seem really bad i think um so mm-hmm. i don't know and also uh they still aren't doing much with jonas they're really not and what they are doing is suggesting that his allegiances might not be where we think they are and they're doing that with Angelica too. It's all very, very muddled, and I don't know who to trust. And that's the point. And that's all I have to yeah, say about it. Yeah, but they've just been doing that the whole show, right? Yeah, like exactly. That, that's kind of, I think, part of the issue. And maybe I've said this before of having so many plots is sometimes when you're juggling all the balls, the only thing that you can do with like ball A is briefly touch it and get it back in the air. And it feels like they do that a lot where it's like, hey, here's Jonas. Remember how you don't know if you can trust him? All right. Anyway, we'll see him later. 
And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Thank you for like touching on that again. But then what's the next, what's the development of that idea? Um, and that's what I feel like we're missing in some plots and getting more of in others right now. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And yeah, some yeah. of the plots basically because there's eight characters and we have to show all of them. Some of the plots are just there for gags. Uh, right. Or like in the case of Riley and Will and like guess Diego, uh, we're just exposition chasing. We're hunting exposition. Who's where's the assistant? Why do we care who the assistant is? Because she is related to BPO. Okay, let's find her. Well, we only really have Diego here because that we can use police tech, and they do like lampshaded in this end of the second episode. Like, why are you even allowed to do this? What you're on, uh, like the British intelligence network or whatever. That's wild. She's like, I have like Riley's like, I have to. We have to find, blah blah blah. It's all very, like, action movie. We're getting to the big fight stuff, but just seeing them run around. And, you know, there was a moment where I was like, oh, Diego and Riley's kind of a fine, fun combo. Like, this is a, a weird three-person buddy cop comedy where the two buddies are separated by a thousand miles and they can only communicate through this young woman. Like, that's in itself a fun little premise, uh, but it doesn't have any sort of, like, direction to go, you know? So, who do you want to hit on next? You. Oh, let's hear it. What do you got? <laughs> Dear Diary. Shoot your shot. This is your chance. Come on. I want to see them toes. They're really big. Oh, fuck. I fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, you fucked it up. But I appreciate the attempt. Your facial hair has been, in since the minute you started growing it, more magnificent than anybody else I know in real life. Wow. Okay. You have a beautiful, deep-toned voice that uh, resonates All in my ears right. really well and turns God. me on. Uh, you have, stop it. You have very clean teeth. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My gums are getting better. Good. You sleeping good? Sleeping okay. Those two things tend to work hand in hand, believe it or not. I saw a thing recently that was like, if you tape your mouth closed, you'll have better oral hygiene. If you tape your mouth closed when you sleep, just bananas. It's not, I don't think it's based on anything. I don't, it seems like cap, but you you are technically supposed to breathe out of your nose more when when you sleep. sleep. Yes. Well, I'm on a CPAP now and it's, yeah makes me it blasts the air in my nose and makes me breathe through my nose instead of snore through my big mouth oh sort of a continuous positive airway pressure that's right that's what isn't that just what talking is continuous pause if as long as we're being nice to each other (laughs) right yeah the positive is a big assumption i think that's true (laughs) um there's a couple of quick hits we can do here uh before the big fight um i caffius i did not another cameo from season one who i did not expect the leader of the superpower who again was never credited, but it was only credited as like someone said like this guy's girlfriend to credit his girlfriend, but they never gave him a name in the credits. Uh-huh. Uh he's great. He's basically like so Caffius is worried about his opponent and his uh the people who work with him in this political group are like, You need to keep security on you. Here's the security guard. They give him a security guard, just like Kala got one. Shout out to Vikram, by the way. I love him. Uh, and they're like, Caffius, you got to be safe. He sees this guy. The guy, like, you know, roughs him up a little bit. And he's like, hey, I'm alive. And I'm working for the other guy. I could work for you if you paid me more. But just let- I'm letting you know that there are people on the other side who could kick your ass. So you better watch out. Pretty cool. So, and this guy's looking good. 
So is the thing here is he's just like giving Caffius advice for no reason or he was hired to mess the kill Caffius or I think he's, he's telling Caffius like hey I'm you're going to be running for me again and I'm giving I you a see. head start basically that's how I interpreted okay. that And where remind me where they was he the superpower was the group that kidnapped Caffius? That kidnapped Kabaka? Silas Kabaka, yeah. And Caffius rescued him. And Caffius didn't kill this guy? But he Correct. killed all the other guys? He thought he killed this guy. Oh, this is the guy who was chasing him in the in the car or on the motorcycle. Yes, correct. Okay, got it. Also, he sees spray paint of himself and he's like, whoa, that's wild. The people like me, they care about me. Githu. Sorry, I found his name. I was I was like digging through the wiki. The two leave the house. Very engaging performer. I I I love him. That's why I want to keep looking up his character's name because I love him. Puts the gun away. Asks if his pretty girl turned him to politics or if he's Silas's b-word now. Caffius asks why he cares. Figured Caffius would never get into something as stupid as politics. Wants to change things. People like what they're used to. Blah blah blah. Together they are legendary. If they work together, they could be powerful. Caffius suggests Githu work for him, but Githu says Bossman pays better. But if Caffius survives, he has his vote. So gotcha, gotcha. right now he's working for Bossman, who is Mandiba, who's his opponent. Uh, I see. Okay. I think the only way to resolve any political debate is with a 1v1 Van Damme fist fight. So I think Mandiba and Caffius should literally battle each other. Yeah, where is this plot going? <laughs> That's the only place it'll go that I like, honestly. Okay. Well, yeah. Caffius wins? Like, okay. Cool, congrats, I guess. Yeah. He's probably going to win. Oh, my God, silly. We'll see. I, yeah, I, I'm i liking the new Caffius guy more. Same. feeling more used to him. Uh, but this plot, it just feels like, especially in the second episode, it's just like, wait, what? Like, like I'm not convinced that Caffius himself wants this mm-hmm. it's just all these characters who are kind of like now let me you know grab the steering wheel of your life real quick okay now let me do it oh now it's my turn to fuck with you um yeah but i'm engaged Interesting I, to see. i am goes. too they're bringing good actors into it good characters that's yeah. that's why it's working yeah. right and they're not doing the romance plot anymore at least this week which is fantastic which makes me happy I think it's just taking well, care of Well, she's she's napping at his house on his mom's lap. That I forgot who that was. Okay. All right, she's still around. <laughs> yeah. It's not that they're not doing it, it's just that my brain's not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Caffius. There's not a ton going on there, but a lot of people ask each other. Fun. He's very fun. A lot of people this week ask each other for advice. Yes. Nomi Nomi talks to Sun, Leto talks to Sun, uh Kala, Kala talks, talks to, to Will. Will. Yep. Uh, call I, talks I love can, that. Yeah. I love people asking advice. And the yeah, the call will scene is great if we want to talk about that. I do, yeah. yeah. Um, so she's snuggling up with a pillow. Seems to be snuggling up with a pillow, but it's actually Wolfgang's arms. And uh, well, I guess that's the second scene with her, right? The first scene is like she, she's working yeah, and he's like looking yeah. at the BPO stuff. And then mm-hmm. she starts taking care of him and doing the whole like nurse thing. And she's like... Do you think that a marriage can work with secrets? Majon, do you th- I'm asking you this. Do you think a marriage can work with secrets? No. <laughs> Seems like an easy answer. 
Uh, I think, but Will points out that like, do you want, do you, what, what, I believe, let me, I actually wrote down what he says verbatim. Cause she's yeah, saying well, like, should Kyle I tell him all considering, the secrets? Yeah, Kyle is considering like, okay, you've done this thing where you've told, it's interesting to see the sense it's like, they're seeing how other sensates in their cluster are telling or not telling people what the deal is. Mm-hmm. And Kyle is like, you know, Nomi has told Amanita, you have told, you and Riley have told Diego what's going on. Maybe I should do that with Rajan. What do you think? And Will is basically like, well, do you want to tell him because you want him to tell you the stuff that he's hiding? Or do you want to tell him because you're in love with somebody else? Yeah. And you want to like pursue that. And Kyle is like, Anyway, uh, don't Your do fever's heroin. running. Yeah. I'll see you later. <laughs> I've never felt so seen. This feels like a conversation that you and I have had. Because you're very good about like telling me, like, hey, is the thing that you want this actually? And I'm like, well, shit, dude. <laughs> okay, I guess. Yeah. And um, that's the fun, a fun storytelling thing that you can get to with the Sensates is like, when have we seen Kala and Will talk? Not very much, if ever. I can't think of a specific example. But you can just do this and you can explain, well, how would Will have this insight? Because he's inside of her brain and Uh he knows stuff about her. So you can throw together these two characters who aren't normally chatting, but who have like the right set of experiences or viewpoints or or opinions. Yeah. and just have Kala talk to exactly the person she needs to talk to right now um, and be able to say like, and he knows this because they're psychically linked. Um, yeah. Simple. So this, this scene really worked for me. I, I liked it a lot. I did too. I didn't think Will would give good, this kind of good advice, but he's blunt in that Chicago kind of way, Chicago style pizza kind of way. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see the different combinations of characters being helpful. It's not just like, son, what do I do? And she's like, get your fucking shit together. Damn it, son, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> like, it is half of the time. Um, Kala has another scene, you, though. Yeah, go what ahead. What did you think in the Will Kala scene of the how they're dealing with the heroin stuff? It's It's weird, right? Because she just says, like, you know, you can't just keep doing heroin and think that that's going to stop Whispers and BPO. Like mm-hmm. the rest of, she's making the point that like the rest of us are doing things, and you're just repeatedly getting high, and blocking, taking blockers, and not worrying about it. I think that this loops back around in the second episode. Like Will is learning to take responsibility. Um, I don't think that the show or these creators are equipped to make this about any sort of like drug addiction plot, because it's not that Will is doing it due to a like issue in his life or an addiction he's not doing it because he's addicted. well maybe he's addicted at this point we don't know but mm-hmm. he's doing it because he thinks he, he has a savior complex he thinks yeah. as long as i harm myself as long as i keep doing this i'll help people and basically right. call saying like the if you want to help people go do something and right. that comes to, he doesn't end up doing enough things in time and it bites him in the butt by the end yeah so i think it's fine here but yeah it always rubs me a little bit weirdly when it's like can you just stop doing drugs just stop it you big druggy like jesus guys what are we saying here yeah right right so i i feel like it's that kind of what you're you're hinting at your feelings are 
Um, yeah, I think I agree with that. I'm glad that they are addressing this because I was sort of wondering, well, is it possible for somebody to take all that heroin and then just be like, okay, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> and so it's good to see them gesturing at this, but it does feel like uh, a sort of easy solution mm-hmm. for Kala to say, well, don't, don't do it. The drugs. Just don't. And okay. Will's like, okay, you're right. See ya. <laughs> um, and after Kala leaves, she wakes up the next day uh, and hears Rajan in the middle of the night yelling, screaming at somebody uh, over the phone about how they're fucking him over and they've done it for the last time. Like he's in a mob movie and he's like, oh, it's one of my American colleagues. Uh, I'm not mad at him. That completely fumbles the bag trying to hide this. She's clearly concerned. Me, the viewer, I am not intimidated by Rajan because one, that actor is not intimidating. And two, he's in a like a bright, bright pink shirt in this scene. And so I wasn't scared. But I think there's almost uh-huh. something intentional about like, look how fancy this guy looks. Uh-huh. And yet how, how much evil is behind that like nice attire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> like... Yeah, it's just funny because in season one, the characterization of him was that classic, the stereotype that, you know, we saw people having problems with that I think were valid of he's like such a nice guy and, oh, my wife is cheating on me with a white guy kind of thing. Right. And now it feels like they're retconning Rajan as like, but I have dark secrets and I'm fucking pissed off fuck yeah <laughs> it's like no you're not you're a wife guy who broke his dick on his honeymoon <laughs> or whatever like don't you remember stop it you come on goose. now so it's uh it's kind of funny where we're going with it mm-hmm. we'll see where that goes um uh, yeah i think he's prob. my guess is he's trying to live up to what he told kala like i'm gonna be a little more ethical and his unethical business connections are like stop being ethical and he's like leave me alone right don't don't threaten me and they're gonna try to kill him or something oh we didn't talk about the scene where whispers um will goes into whispers head and he see we see his daughter chelsea and his wife elizabeth and he's like he screams at them leave me the fuck alone uh (laughs) yeah that was funnier than it needed to be tbh it, it was they're just annoyed that they're in hiding forever which means that yes the sensates still have control over whispers kind of um, I want to talk about Lita more than anything else in the world. Me too. Let's do it. So Lita's in his feelings. He's eating the ice cream. He's listening to Marvin's room. <laughs> He's listening to Rex Orange County on repeat. He's just not having a good time. Um, bedroom pop playlist is active. <laughs> it is on full volume. Uh-huh. And everybody knows. Even Hernando's like, don't eat the ice cream. Not the- I hate this, by the way. I-, I laugh at it, but I also hate it when he's like, every bite is like 20 minutes 20 on the treadmill. 20 minutes on the treadmill, yeah. It's something that her not- these people would say. I just right. hate it. I right. hate talking about how ice cream makes you fat. Come on, guys. Um, but that's that's how it is in this kind of show. His pajamas in this episode are so sexy. He's wearing them the whole time in everybody's scenes, which means that the actor had to like get into these pajamas in Korea, in Mexico, in uh, probably <laughs> London, <laughs> which yeah. really means 
that there That's is fine. an air there's a tsa agent who is scanning the luggage every time they're traveling and going huh maybe it's the same maybe the same tsa agent saw them but going one way and going back who knows uh That's i love those pajamas though yeah. they're they're so good and he's just miserable and one of the ways that he's coping is the way that i cope is he watches one of his favorite movies um which is from here to from eternity here to eternity uh-huh 1950s burt lancaster real movie uh apparently a classic i haven't seen it have you seen it uh, no i haven't seen it might want to look at it the next time i want to watch an older film but his mom loves it and it made him realize a couple of things and hernando is that is nice enough to very carefully explain this to both daniela and us the viewer that like uh-huh. yeah it's his mom's favorite movie it made him realize the power of acting and how it had an effect on people and then Daniela rightfully is like, okay, but why is he crying about that? And he's like, well, Dot. it also <laughs> made him think about his sexuality. He wishes he was the girl in the movie, actually. He's gay. It made him realize he was gay. It's one of the, everybody has to, every queer person has this. It's called formative text. It's the movie, the show, the book, the poster, mm-hmm. the person you saw on the street that made it click for you. For Lido, it was from here to eternity. For me, uh-huh. it was, I'm not going to talk about it right now. <laughs> uh, Fair. It was a combination of things. One of them was Kaoru from Neon Genesis Evangelion, okay? That's okay. Just, that was the first little, like, spark of the lighter. Um, thank you. So, that's why Lido's really sad. Daniela and Hernando are trying to be supportive, but... The dude's just down bad. He throws the Blu-ray out the window, which made my roommate fucking crack up. <laughs> like, that's a Blu-ray, dude. Come on. I'm sure he just buy another one, but like, oh. Uh, he's comforted by Sun in the most bisexual lighting love hotel I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> I was right. overjoyed by this. Uh, right. And she's like, get it the fuck together. Other people have it worse than you. Your mom loves you. Uh, my mom's dead i have to kill my brother doesn't that suck and he's like you know what that does actually that's like a real problem that's like a real person's life and problem i'm sorry that but i you know all feelings are valid and they what's beautiful is that they he gets the pillows together and they snuggle and they get so comfortable and then Mm -hmm. we cut and son is alone in a love hotel by herself alone Mm -hmm. by herself sad I, I, I picked up on it. She's she's renting out a love hotel to sleep in because she doesn't right. have a home right now. Isn't right. that wild? It is, yeah. <sighs> I just think about the, the, the way that you get to that decision in your life that you're like, yeah, this is a place where I can sleep, I guess. It's covered in like sexual paraphernalia or whatever, but it's it's a bed. That's what I got, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but that... I think takes care of Lido and and Sun and everybody. That just leaves us with a little bit of Nomi stuff. She's getting ready for a wedding. And then this all climaxes in the action scene of the episode, which is uh, Wolfgang, who realizes that Lila, who they're now calling Leela, by the way. Why did we decide suddenly that her name is Leela, not Lila? I don't know. I think different. It's probably one of those things where the actors are reading the name and somebody messed up in like keeping the continuity sure yeah that's my guess that makes sense uh blah, 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 blah. wolfgang oh he meets he gets him in the sauna by that guy sebastian sebastian's like hey lita's going to mess with me 
she calls him and is like, hey, Wolfgang's the one who's messing with you. So now we think that there's going to be conflict between them. Wolfgang realizes he has to take her out. Uh, and so they meet at a restaurant that she invites him to. It seems like it's going to be okay, but they know that it's a trap. Uh, thanks to Nomi and Will and all of them, they know who amongst the, the crowd at the restaurant is hired. We cut to a full-on Matrix-style battle scene as, Ly as Lila and Wolfgang unleash their sensate powers on each other. This is very fun. It's so Matrix 1, though. Like, with the columns and with the slow yeah. motion it's like, and with the gunfire. Yeah. I was like, well, I could just watch The Matrix right now, but this is great. Yeah. Did you have fun with this? This was awesome. This is what I want to be like a whole episode. Yeah. We're here. We're hacking into the thing. Wolfgang's having this tense conversation. Lila's like, we could make a city for sensates. Fucking sure. Like, yeah, Wolfgang's like, fuck you. And Lila says, I'm going to scrape you off my shoe like the dog shit you are, which is awesome. Good line. And then boom, boom, shoot this guy, shoot that guy. Oh, you're all your sensates. I'm all my sensates. And I really wanted the fight where, I mean, this would have been wildly difficult to film, but where we're doing people rapid in the cuts. Restaurant. Yeah. Or where we're doing these rapid cuts of like, suddenly our team is son and her team is someone else. And, then our team turns into Will and their turn team turns into somebody else. And it's like, boom, boom. We keep everybody switching into different characters and we're fighting. And maybe we're going to get that because she's alive and now we're fighting each other. And they've shown us like, look at all these sensates that are in her cluster. Um, but I think I'm craving like a full, full on action set piece that's all around this idea of two teams of people two full sets of skills just being thrown at each other yeah and like how do we do that um i'm excited to see them do more of that i think just that shot that one brief shot where they punch each other and you see the eight like after images and you're like whoa that's the eight that's the other eight i want to see them like i wanted to like pause on that frame and like analyze them and then i'm like we better just i have to see this again like god i hope so yeah. Uh, also, something about oh, Nomi's unconscious. This was apparently a last-minute change to this scene. She gets oh, knocked really? out because she breaks a heel, and that's why she's not at the fight scene. I wonder if they added that scene with her breaking the heel so that she wouldn't be here. Wait, why was it a change? Maybe the, the, act actress, the actress wasn't, wasn't available able to be there. Uh, I see. Huh. Uh, but yeah, apparently, unconscious sensates lose the ability to share and visit, which makes sense. Yeah. It's a funny moment where Amanita and Bug have to video call Riley to still be involved. Oh, yeah. And for no reason at all, we have Bug talk to Diego for like five seconds. The best. The best combo. You can call me the Bug. Yeah. Fucking, I love Fucking A. Awesome. Good shit. Our two fair boys. Bug is like that guy from The Leftovers who works for Kevin, who's just good. And then Bug is just good. So now we have two good guys hanging out with you, talking to each other for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, but that's the episode. He, she uh, gets away and the police arrive and uh, she's like, oh my God, he hurt me. So Wolfgang's on the run. Good mm. luck, buddy. Straight notes? I'm still thrown by some of the tonal shifts that happen in this show because we go from 
these like major main plot moments at the beginning of the episode to <laughs> Leto is like moping around behind Sun and the music is like plinky plinky comedy tunes. Yeah. Um it's a little silly, but mm-hmm. fun. And all the Leto sad stuff was was fun. Um I really liked the scene. I thought it was a well done scene where Wolfgang is in the bathhouse with Fuchs and Lila is spying on the conversation where Fuchs is talking about her mm-hmm. so that she can then call him and perfectly play off of his expectations to manipulate him. Um, that was just a cool yeah. way that she's using her sensate powers. And like, this is a scene that it has some intrigue and suspense to it and different layers of like which characters know what. And I thought that was just a well done, cool scene. Um, And like, you know, I think expresses if Wolfgang's story was its own movie where it's like, you have this guy in the criminal underworld who has recently developed uh, telepathy and mm-hmm. he comes across this femme fatale who also has telepathy. And then they have, there's like this bog standard crime movie, except that the protagonist and this like secondary antagonist, maybe anti-hero person both have telepathy powers. Like that's a cool movie. Um, and I think there's flashes sometimes of scenes that are like, whoa, that's awesome. And sometimes it's like, Lila, so sexy, trying to sex me at the dinner table. Uh-oh, sexy. And that's not as interesting. That's it. Wolfgang says, I like beer, when she talks about the, how <laughs> cool the wine is. I like beer, beer for the German or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I like beer. Uh, that's it. Those are my notes. My two quick ones are on Lido. Number one, when uh, Kala uh is seeing rajan run up with a bloody nose and he's like it's nothing it's fine i'm fine uh leto is just in the corner eating popcorn and watching it like it's one of his shows and he's like it's he's lying but it's okay because without lies life would be too hard which is a king thing to say and then uh there's a part where nomi's worried about something with the wedding and she's like oh no well we don't like we need someone who knows how to tend bar and then we cut to leto and he's like doing the flashy thing like Tom Cruise in cocktail. And uh-huh. do we think that Michael Sylvester is that his name, Michael Sylvester? The actor who plays Leto, uh, just like knows how to do that. And they were like, Do you want to do it for us for Miguel Angel Sylvester? Thank you, internet. Uh-huh. Uh, do you think that they were just like, Hey, can you do some stunts for like 30 seconds and we'll put it in the episode? It, I hope it, so. It feels like it. Yeah, I hope so too. I love that TV impressive. can be made like that. It was really cool. He's flipping and doing stunts. Yeah. Yeah. And it was definitely written as like the way that all the characters stop and are like, whoa, that's so cool. It definitely feels like something he already knew how to do. And everybody was like so dazzled by it. We have to put yeah. it in the show. Right. Yeah. I, I really think that's what it was. That's that's fun. I love that. That's all I got. Nice. All right, then we will be right back after this brief musical break to discuss what family actually means.
Welcome back to Chats 8. The second episode we watched this week was Sense8 Season 2, Episode 9, What Family Actually Means. It was written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski and directed by Lana Wachowski. It aired on May 5th, 2017. Alan, what happened in What Family Actually Means? In this episode, a family wedding stirs up more trouble for Nomi. Daniela goes all out to land Lido the perfect role and one of the sensates faces a devastating loss. Wait, who faces a de- Oh, well, doi, doinky. Doinky. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of chips fall into place this episode. A lot of moments where you go, is this bad thing going to happen? And then it just kind of does. I'd say it's spinning the wheel, as usual. And that's okay, because the wheels are pretty fun. What did you think of this episode? Uh, well, we did have to spend like 15 minutes before we started recording, just making sure we understood what was going on in the flashbacks. So Uh I'm glad we're getting more information. Um, and we're definitely making plot moves and I'm ready to see what next week holds. But also I remember I said this last week when we were like on the doorstep of the whispers compound and then... What did we do there? <laughs> we got we we got something. We, we there was a safe. They opened the safe and there was a passport inside. Yeah. And then I don't think there was anything major from that. But is that why Will was like we got to find the assistant? I think so. He knew about the assistant because of what he found in the compound. I was also wrong by the way. I said he would go Jason Bourne on the compound. Sad to say. No, there was nobody there. He'd already left. Sad. But I agree. And sometimes it's like, like I say spinning my wheels, but in actuality, we moved forward a lot, which is the opposite of spinning my your wheels. But mm-hmm. also like, what does moving forward mean when this plot doesn't seem like it has any ending? You know? Um, so that's where I'm like right. at is, okay, things yeah. happened. We learned a lot. This is kind of dense, actually, but don't really care too much. Um, like a lot of my notes here are like Caffius is colon being followed by somebody mysterious. Why? Don't know yet. We're going to find out soon. Probably, uh, the, of the, his opponent's people, I would guess. I don't well, no, think they, that BPO. Don't they explain it. Wait, do they explain one? it? I don't, I don't know. Did they? It's Wait, Kabaka's oh, 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 it's Sal's Kabaka's people because he gets there. Why? Well. <laughs> Let's let let we'll get there. Okay, what do we okay, talk okay, about? Okay, okay, okay. What do we what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about the Nomi wedding. Sounds good. So this is Nomi at her sister Tegan's wedding, mm-hmm. and we know that there's been some stress. The one thing that sets this up in the previous episode is Nomi's like, oh, "I'm so stressed," and Amanita's like, "Well, it's because you're gonna have to give this speech at your sister's wedding," and Nomi's like, "Oh my god, you're so right. You know me." See, nobody in my cluster could have known that. Which, you know like, me. You know me. Which, like, you know, I think people in the cluster could have figured that out, but it is nice to reaffirm the intimacy of the relationship with Amanita, so I'm cool with it. Uh, and yeah. then there's a pretty extended sequence where Nomi's like, well... 
I don't know if I feel comfortable. All these people are looking at me weird and saying really, you know, offensive things to me. Um, my mother is an absolute nightmare of a person. Maybe I'll just say that I have a headache and leave. And then Naomi's mom comes up and says, I think this you is about say you have a headache. <laughs> that you have one of your headaches. And Naomi's like, well, fuck. <laughs> I guess I have to do this now. Yeah. Um, and then gives this, I think, really, really amazing monologue um, yeah. speech at, at uh, Tegan's wedding here. What did you think of this this monologue moment? I'm so happy that she did it because yeah. imagine having the confidence to do that, you know? Like, Nomi is, everybody's eyes are on her. She's so anxious. And through Amanita, through the sensei, she's able to, and like through the spite against her mother, she's able to do this speech. And it's full of love. And it's like she was saying, it's not about her. It's not about like, like a little bit of it is like, you know, I was born like that. I was born Michael. Uh, I got teased for this and that. But she manages to transfer it to being about Tegan in a really nice way. Uh, there's a great part. My favorite part of all of it is is it builds to this great moment where she says that her mom was like, why can't you be more like Tegan? And she says, be careful what you wish for, mom, which is just great. And yeah, she, that's a nice moment. But then, yeah, to talk about her surgery and say that the only the first thing she saw was Tegan singing happy birthday to her. And that's so beautiful. But then it has to be a sensate comedy moment, too. And she's like, you know, and to Tegan's husband, uh, you better treat her well or else. And then Wolfgang takes over to say, so weird. I will find you. Which, like, how does that manifest to the rest of the crowd? Is it like Nomi's voice getting really deep? Like, what the fuck happened there? It's very scary. Yeah. A little weird. Um, but but I do like what you uplifted there, which is um, Nomi's parents prior to this point. It's like, well, don't do the classic thing where you make this about yourself. And the thing that this monologue represents is like, but the the reason that Tegan is such a great sister is because she has made the space for Nomi to like make things about herself in the ways that she needed to like she's right she needs to be able to be her authentic self and i like that this monologue takes the time to like completely disprove and reframe you know the kind of toxic way that the parents set this up and have been like putting this idea into Nomi. Um, so it feels like a, a pretty cool triumph. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Me too. It's good to have emotional moments like this in an episode that's otherwise like pretty dense with storyline because yeah. Nomi's needed this for a while. And uh, this also brings her to... So this is the cocktail hour. I thought that this, this was the reception. I was like, why is then the wedding happening afterwards? Um, at the wedding itself, we do the typical. Everybody's here. We're nervous. Nomi, the man that she walks up to the aisle with, that says some shitty stuff to her. Nice rack for a dude. Unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, big yikes. Uh, I believe it's Sun who's like, do you want me to hurt him? And she's like, normally, yeah. But then he says one more comment, and then she like breaks his hand, which is really based. Uh, they get there. Oh, no. Guess who's here? It's Bendick. I mean, it's Bendix. Uh, Bendix is here, and he says, I have a warrant for Nomi Marks' arrest. I'm here to ruin a wedding. Everybody hates me here. Oh, it turns out 
Is anybody here a congressman? Someone in the crowd is like, I'm a congressman. Yeah. There's no there's no consequence to that. It's just, yeah, we got Congress people here. Rich people um, are here. That's nice of them. Right. But so this is the thing that was in the back of my head. Not in the back of my head. I've been saying it. How is this okay? How is nobody going to get away with this? She's been on the run from the FBI. Okay, we did the the we met with fucking remember when we went to the anonymous and anonymous was there yeah I did. uh what a what a time yeah we did all that but like there are still people like bendix who know i'm looking for nomi marks boy her sister's wedding seems like the kind of place she might be maybe i'll check and uh it doesn't quite i don't know i guess I guess this is how this would work out if he doesn't have proof of Nomi's Arrest existence warrant. or wantedness or warrant, then like he can't do anything. But, but like, also, what aren't? Why is the FBI looking for her? Well, I think is it, with, I thought he was with PPO. Well, he's the FBI. I know he I says think, that. But I think it's because of the hospital stuff from season one. What? Hasn't she been a fugitive since then? I think so, yeah. And then wouldn't her mom be like, What the fuck there is you going are. on with you? You ran away from the hospital. The logic of it is not super clear. No, me. it's all vibes at this point. Where That's why I said earlier, like, we are... And a show that's running out of runway. It has no runway left because, and they yeah. just keep, it's like they're laying one piece of track ahead at a time because this is now like the third or fourth time that they've been like, done, cleared Nomi's name. She's good. Got him. Nobody can mess with Nomi anymore. Five minutes later, I'm here to capture Nomi Marks and I have a record for it. No, you don't. Okay. I'm here to capture Nomi Marks. No, you don't. Like you just can't yeah. keep doing that. It, it doesn't it make feels- any sense. It feels like a Shakespearean comedy at this point where yeah. you have the wedding and you throw all the characters into it and you have the one character show up and be like, I'm here to capture you. No, we actually got gotcha. you. And the dad's like, get your hands off my daughter, which is a nice moment. And, yeah. the, the you know, evokes some genuine emotion there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it feels very broad. In a way that's fun and theatrical. And again, it's hard for this show to hold all of the tones that it wants to hold. Yeah. Because it's meaningful that you're saying like, well, is he with BPO? Because in the show where we have scary BPO agents who are looking for us, we can't also have this like fbi buffoon <laughs> who's like ah can't find the email with your arrest warrant darn it i must scroll scrolling scrolling can. scrolling yeah it's stupid curse you know me marks <laughs> i'll get you and your scooby gang too and i would have captured you too if it weren't for those meddling hackers and bug yeah. goes boo as he walks out <laughs> i mean it's fun it's like extremely fun yeah and i did have a good fun. time yeah. Bug got his tux on eBay. It's from the stunt actor for From Russia with Love, which is such a funny freaking detail. <laughs> yes. Pretty random. Yeah. Big time. 
I don't know. I've stopped. I've stopped questioning it. And this is like what the Wachowski is. If you're going to enjoy a film like Jupiter Ascending, if we ever go on and watch that, you're going to do the same thing. We're like, wait, why does it's fine. That's guys. Channing Tatum's a dog. I don't even care anymore. Mila Kunis has like B powers, whatever. Uh, that movie slaps so freaking hard. Uh, but yeah, it, it sucks as like critics to be like, oh, let's, let's turn our brains off. But like, it's a wedding weddings in movies and tv shows have this kind of magical sense that like laws don't really matter here and nomi's dad can be like i'm a lawyer and i'm gonna sue you into oblivion loser bye like okay that doesn't have to mean anything like meaningfully um who else do we have here Majel? well i think let's knock out the other kind of side plots that are self contained and then we'll get into there's a lot of lore dumping the the cumberland chronicles yes so we've got kala there's some brief kala stuff in this one she doesn't want to have kids yeah she doesn't want to have kids she talks to her mom and her sister ajay comes by the apartment and drops off a mysterious package and says open it with rajan that's going to be like a bomb or something, right? Like that's my guess. It's to... an oblong gift. Like what the fuck? Could yeah, it be? weird. I didn't really get much from the Kala plot this time around. I don't think there's a ton of meat on the bones here. I ate the bones. No, there really isn't. <laughs> there really isn't. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Her mom and her, when they talk, they're in front of a restaurant called Love and Latte, which is a good name for a Cute. restaurant. Cute. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, there's a conversation there of like, oh, whoever they're talking about, she's wasting her her brain abilities by starting a family. Mm-hmm. There's something there. It tells us something about Kala and about her not being interested in this sort of like typical life of a housewife um, sort of thing. But is that. Like, is that what Kala's plot is about? And have we lost the religion stuff? I don't know. Just, I'm not, where's the thematic core of this? Anyway, that's the Kala stuff. Mm-hmm. We also have some more Kafia stuff. There's oh my God, like Love and Latte's a real place. There. They have a website. Oh, sorry. I was Googling Love and Latte. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, uh-huh. they even have an Instagram. Sorry. So Kafias is getting followed. After and he's looking at this best of Van Damme DVD. Uh, he's what have you got me into? Uh, he catches the guy and says, "Tell me what I want to know," or whatever he says. And he learns that the tale is that guy was working for Silas Kabaka. Hey, Kabaka, why are mm-hmm. you following me around? Well, you have a bounty on your head right now, and I want to make sure that you're protected. So I was having my guys look out for you. Okay, well, don't do that. I want to, Caffius. I want to protect my family. Your family? Yeah, man. I love your mom. I don't know if you've been keeping track of this side plot, <laughs> but I'm in love with your mom, dude. Did you know? Did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of this plot is Caffius just being like, huh? Hmm. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I love the exchange where Caffius is like, so do you think I should like drop out? And Kabaka's like, ah, no. no. And Kavi's like, 
yeah, what do you think I should do? And Silas is like, you should probably stop driving that bus where you come to the same place at a scheduled <laughs> time every single day. Because it's like, yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, that's, that's true. That's good advice. <laughs> We've gotten to such a weird A to B to C to D to E to F to G place with with this plot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very roundabout. Silas is here. We're somehow like relitigating season one storylines. It's just I don't know. I don't know anymore. I'd like to see. I was happy to see Amandi again. She's playing chess with her dad. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was nice. It's all vibes. Sensei season two, it's all vibes. Like Lita watching The Graduate. Did you catch that? I did. It was nice because it went from the wedding scene to him watching the wedding scene of The Graduate. Right. Yeah. Someone planned that out. I haven't seen The Graduate yet. I know. I remember when you watched it, you were like, it's good. It is good. Talk about a movie that's vibes. That's vibes. Yeah, I mean it's because it's like a lots of heavy soundtrack kind of movie. Yeah, it's all Simon and Garf. Simon and Simon and Garfield. That's right. Sick, dude. Mondays. Like uh, a bridge over troubled Mondays. Mondays. Woo! I will lay me down. Oh, lasagna! You're breaking. <laughs> <laughs> That joke has been stretched like fucking silly putty across the world. We did everything we could with it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the show more. What else? What else is going on? Hernando brought him a nice fruit bowl. Daniela brought him a nice oh, script. Yeah. God, the Lido plot is great in this one. I know. It's always good. They brought him a strip, a script called Iberian Dreams, which yeah. is... Like a beautiful sort of like arty tearjerker of a movie. Sure, when, it's like an A24 film. Yes. It makes him cry when he reads it. He makes this comment of like, I'm not even on the top three Mexican actors that they call for this kind of role. Like I'm not... Uh, uh, fuck, who does he say? He says, Gail Garcia. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem and Gail Garcia, who he's, are both like from Itumama Tamien and then Javier Bardem from, you know, uh, a million things. Oh, No Country yeah. for Old Men, for example. The like the Mexican actors. And so... That's funny. And then he's like, yeah, but like, I'm never going to get it. This felt like I was watching Fake Doctors Real Friends for a sec. Like the inner workings of like people just trying to find gigs in Hollywood, where it's like, you know, like Donald Faison on that podcast will sometimes talk about like, oh, I did a pilot for this and they didn't get picked up because nobody like, I don't know anyone. How much of Hollywood is about knowing people? This is brilliant, though. I just like gripped my mic and like made a hand motion. This is brilliant, you guys. Uh, Because first of all, I love Daniela so much. Just correcting their record, Javier Bardem is Spanish, not Mexican. Thank you, Mr. Google. That's my bad. But but Lito does say it. He's saying like the people that would get cast for this type of role. Regardless. So Daniela makes the big play here. Uh, this is like the centerpiece of this episode. It's the fight scene of this episode. It's a beautiful indictment of the Hollywood system. It's all about knowing people and lying to people. She pulls out two phones and says, uh, Hernando, put 58 minutes on the timer. That's the longest it's ever taken me to do this. I can get Lito this role. Uh, it starts by her calling the assistant to the eight, the person who's casting this film, uh, putting them on hold, calling a tabloid, calling, telling the tabloid that this film is being, that other people might get hired for it. 
creating tension so that the assistant hears it on the other line of the phone, and then the assistant forwards her up to the casting agent, who immediately gives Leto the role. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, it is a virtuosic performance. It's it's really quite something. We talk about how last episode it felt like they wanted to they they were giving the actor who plays Leto like some bar some like cocktail tricks to do. And this felt yeah. like they were giving the actress who plays Daniela some like acting tricks to do or some comedy yeah. or something. Yeah. Like this is a really tough scene to have make sense and like to deliver all of it so quickly. Like she's mm-hmm. making she's like running two phone calls. Like this is high, high level acting uh that they're putting on her. And you just get to watch Hernando and Lito be like, whoa, 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 what? Okay. Um, because like if Sensei is going to hand wave like getting Lido roles again and if they, they hand wave a lot of stuff on this show it's fun to at least see what the hand wave process looks like in this case it's you just have right. to know the right people and be the have the right tone of voice on the phone and you can make a lot of things happen yeah. um so i enjoyed it very much and Lido's gonna be in a big movie soon hopefully unless that goes bad we have the th- th- three episodes left to answer that question i think it'll go well i mean yeah why not i think it's all it's all fun from the here on out for Lido. The funny thing my roommate commented was like, how often do you think that this happens? Like your favorite movies probably got casted because somebody made a phone call. This is really weird right. to think about. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And then does that leave us with, I think that leaves us with the ending. Yeah. Was yeah. there... There was some light Wolfgang stuff. He's like hanging out with Felix. Yep. Scary stuff's happening. But not He tells really the much. guy like, I don't want there's no war in Berlin. Berlin like isn't run by anybody. Yeah. Or something like that. No, he said he said that to Lila last time. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh but he's just kinda like, Felix, we're fucked. Maybe we should go to India. Or Felix is like India plant? And he's like, Yeah, maybe. I hope. Um, but that's that's it for Wolfgang. And then, yeah, there's a lot of Diego, Riley, Will stuff. All right. That's let's crunch. Like a plot of this one. Yeah. So let me see. Let me try it. Let me see if I can explain you what's got going this. on here. So okay. which, which one of us can tell this shaggy dog story the best? <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking on this police computer for the person that Riley met with. Yep. This person didn't reveal her name to Riley. We just know that she had access to Whispers in some way. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's Whispers' assistant or something like that. I think that's the dynamic. Um, and it seems like she misled them or was a step behind. Now they need some more information from her. Uh, and we're going to use the police computers to try to find her. We could have gone through our beloved uh, Scottish sensate friend, but I guess we don't want to um, get Mr. to her that boy. Way. By the way, yeah. did you know, I learned this from the chats community on Discord, that's a fucking Doctor Who that they got. Oh. He's like the fourth doctor. That's one awesome. Of, I don't know which doctor he is. Sorry. Uh, cool. No, he's not the fourth doctor. Um, and also, Amanita was a companion on Doctor Who. But oh, he's the seventh doctor. That. Yeah, that's great. Pretty cool pull. I digress. So 
We're looking for her. We find her on the computer. Her name's Carol Cumberland. We're going to go to her house and go talk to her or figure out what's going on. The whole time Diego's like, this is illegal. I guess we're going to go around the back. But he's just, it's like, dude, you're along for the ride. Just be here. You don't have fun. So, so uh, curmudgeonly the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, We get to Carol Cumberland's house. There are clear signs of her absence. Uh, There's a dinner plate covered in maggots. Nobody seems to be home. And the whole time we're getting these flashes of memories of Angelica visiting this place with whispers. Uh, We go to the basement and Riley is getting flashes of some like creepy experimentation that happened to Raul, who was in Angelica's first cluster that she birthed. And essentially what we see is we see... um, the lobotomization of Raul. It's yeah. not clear through this what Angelica wants, what she's trying to do. There are these lines of dialogue that that peek in. She was trying to find her cluster. We hear a voice say, they can make us normal. There's like all these kind of different lines that are swimming through the scene. Mm-hmm. But what we know is that Angelica is somehow associated with, involved with this process by which Raul is lobotomized. Whispers seems to be doing it directly. Carol Cumberland is a part of it as well. It's in her house. Um, And then Carol and Angelica take a lobotomized Raul and hide him in like a false wall where there's a bed in there. Um, Uh, Angelica clearly feels guilty. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then after that, Riley gets the sense that we should go upstairs and we get a flash where we see Carol Cumberland committing suicide in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the descriptions that we read of this, there's also some conversation about like maybe Jonas was there which I didn't see, but the wiki says that, and I think the TV Tropes page said that. Um, so something's going on with Jonas. But that's that's what we learn. It's a lot of kind of flashing images and gestures, and we had to make sure that we read something to get that recap right. Yeah. What did you think of this whole sequence and all the stuff in the Cumberland house? I actually like the Cumberland house sequence a fair amount. I like a good haunted house. Um, I thought that like the meal with maggots thing was like too silly. Uh, But uh, otherwise, I'm like, yeah, this is like an interesting dead way for them to hit a dead end. It's like, oh, Carol is incapacitated and maybe she was possessed to take her own life. Maybe she did it because she knew she had information that people needed not super duper clear. We barely knew her though. This is like a classic, like it's the movie seven or something. We're, be, we're as a body count is mounting as we center in on whoever we're looking for. This this overlooker, overseer person. Um, it's fine. It's 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 a step in a in an interesting direction. I'll say. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's pulling from like, you know, how we talked about before how each character is 
their plot is like a movie that would feature their character. Like Will's is like a police procedural sort of. It's one of those where it's like, oh, there's a dead body. Oh, and uh-huh. this is where the lobotomies uh-huh. happen. Okay, now we need to find out what's up with Angelica. Oh, but but Jonas was here. Let's figure uh-huh. that out. So it's it, you know we now have a lot of questions, and uh, I hope that any of these get answered. Literally yeah. any of them. Um, but Will is pulled away from this. Uh, well, Riley is pulled away from this as we discover that uh, Will's father um, is in critical condition in the hospital. Um, apparently, he... It's like alcoholism related. Um, I believe I believe it was like uh, septitis, I believe is what the, the nurse says. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and he seems to be not doing super well. She comes and sits with him, surrounded by all the other police officers our former officers. We get a ton of flashes to every scene with Joe Pantoliano here, Will's dad. Uh, it kind of worked for me. I was like, you have actually included enough scenes with Will's dad that I care that he's dying. What annoyed me, not annoyed me, what frustrated me about this, he dies here, by the way. And and, and, it, and it, there is a very sad, very real moment of empathy where Will isn't there. And... His dad is like, all I wanted was to see Will, and he's not there. And I, I really do feel like that part came from a place of, of realness from either JMS or or Lana or so, or somebody involved in this show because it it was like it touched me a little surprisingly. Um, it's just that once again, like, what? Are, okay, now what? Like now, Will's plot is gonna be on pause, or hopefully it's accelerated mm-hmm. because, like we were saying, he wasn't doing anything. So is he going to grieve or is he going to go full action movie revenge mode? I don't know. But I was very sad to see his father die here. Yeah, agreed. And I think you make a good point that the reason this is so emotionally affecting is because they can draw on like four different moments where we've been building towards this. Um, And yeah, it was it was sad. It was affecting. And now... We got to figure out what comes next. Mm-hmm. Will breaks down on the bed. He's sad by himself at the, at the safe house. Yeah. Any stray notes on this one? Nope. Oh, no. great. Me neither. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I love it when this yeah. happens. There's uh, just a lot of information transfer happening in this episode, I think, is what yes. it is. And not, not as much to chew into. Yes. Le- le- more More action, less fun vibes. Um, we are making, we are hitting the first checkpoint, the first ending of Sensate next week, folks, um, with episodes 10 and 11, uh, which is what we're watching. So episode 10, if all the world's a stage, identity is nothing but a costume. Beautiful title. Sun moves ahead with her undercover mission while Leto heads to Hollywood for the audition of a lifetime. Caffius prepares for his first big speech. Okay, Sun, Leto, and Caffius. This is like my three favorite characters. This is so good. We should rate the Sensates next week. Can we do that? Yeah. We but can I'll do it now. It All right, sure. Uh, let me just read the second one. Eleven, Episode 11. You want a war? At the gala, Sun braces for a showdown with her brother. Soon, a dire new threat sends the Sensates scrambling to save another member of the cluster. Who could it be? It's probably Riley, maybe, or Will... Yeah, let's write, let's write the sense real quick. Where are we yeah. at? So if you don't know, the last couple of episodes, we've been taking a break. 
we like to check in and see we're just it's fun to rank the sensates from our favorite to least favorite plots Mm -hmm. so our last ranking we did at the end of episode seven Mm -hmm. and it went Kala, Sun, Leto, Nomi, Wolfgang, Caffius, Will, Riley. Right. I feel like some shifts need to happen here. I feel like some shit needs to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just do this King of the Hill style. So Kala's at the top. because you be Boomhauer. I'll be Hank Hill. Can I be Peggy? You'll be Bobby. <laughs> Kala versus Sun. Kala's up. Kala's better than Sun right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Kala and Sun versus Leto. I feel like Lito's above both. Lito's above both, yeah. Um, okay. Now Nomi is uh, above Kala. Yeah. Below Lito? Yeah. Okay, that's exactly right. right. Wolfgang? Above Sun, below Kala. Okay. Caffius, I feel like, is below Sun for me. Yeah, me too. Okay, Will. Above Caffius? Yeah. Literally because of this week. Yeah, and then I think Riley is at the bottom for me. Yeah, she stays there. Yeah, that feels right. That feels right. Lock it in. So it's Leto, Nomi, Kala, Wolfgang, Sun, Will, Caffius, Riley is our current ranking. L N K W S W C R. Linguisquer. That's right. Linguis- I always Linguis- grin like I'm so proud of myself when I do stuff like that. Like, yay, I did it. Um, great. That's our ratings. That's our episode discussion, folks. Let's take it to the close. Magellan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on another podcast entitled Super Smash Echoes that I do with my friend Justin, where we play games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise and have fun in a book club game style super smash echoes check it out book club game style book club Club game open book club game style what about you i'm on i'm on a couple other shows talking marketing amaboston.org marketing podcast it's pretty fun and flirty we have episodes planned for february and april already keep up with that feed on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts it's very fun and light uh the Creature Quorum, Six and I are continuing to talk about the Pokemon of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, finding ones that we haven't even seen in our own copies of the game yet. So we're learning from the wiki that there are some weird creatures in the Quorum. Uh, and also, we are still doing Oops More Anime. We have one week left of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch for Mercury. That's our anime podcast uh, where we watch Gundam. So all of those podcasts can be found on scanlinemedia.com. And I'm going to be on another one uh, next month. So stay tuned to scanlinemedia.com for more stuff. Um, Magellan, can you do the plug zone this week, please? Yes, I can. You can get in touch with the show in many different ways. You can email us at chatspot at gmail.com with questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, requests to be on the show. Uh, Soon we will be announcing our plans for... What happens after Chats 8? We've already shared it on the Discord, but we'll share it on the main feed at the end of this season. And when we share that, you know, you could send us suggestions. You could join us for our next season. We love having people on with us. So that's the place, chatspod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at chatspod, uh, the subreddit where folks watch 
uh, old shows that we've watched and listened to old episodes, the current ones, reddit.com slash r slash chatspod. Like I mentioned, we have a Discord, which is a benefit for all of our patrons, a dollar a month and up. And uh, if you support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chatspod, you get Discord access as well as at $1. And then at $3 a month, you get access to twice monthly bonus content, along with a very voluminous backlog of hundreds of bonus episodes from kind of cash discussions to chats about pilot episodes of shows to movie commentaries. We've got it all. And the Patreon has been popping for quite a while now. So we think it's worth your money. At $5 a month, you get a little something extra, which is your thanked right here at the end of the show. Our current $5 patrons are Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, my mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. Thank you, folks, for your support. You can also support the show by rating us wherever you listen to us. Uh, That helps people find us uh, and know the experience that you're having with the show. You can check out our website at chatspod.com. You can recommend us to a friend. You can check out at Camillastrator, our friend Camilla, who created our podcast art on various uh, platforms. And uh, if you want to have a little fun between now and next time, we've got some chatsums for you, little suggestions. So, Alan, yes, sir. start us off. What is your chatsum for this week? Uh, so I've been planning a sort of roundup of all the 2022 TV shows that I've watched this year that aren't. Uh, chats related and one of the ones that stood out to me that i finished recently um is the bear um which is a eight episode short series about a chef uh former professional chef who now works as a restaurant cook at a chicago sandwich shop uh and his name is carmi and uh he has you know this big italian family and he's very stressed out because he went from the high fly world of french cooking very intense very anxiety inducing ruined his life and his brother uh you know i don't want to spoil the show but some things happened with his brother and so now he owns this rest his brother's restaurant and it's failing and if you love cooking then you're going to like this show a lot. And I've been getting into cooking and it's really made me like rediscover like what it is about cooking that's really fun, which is that it can let you kind of clear your head and get away from your problems. Um, the other thing is though, it's a really intense show. It almost comes from me, from me with a content warning for like high anxiety work situations. Um, episodes one and seven in particular are like these dense 30 minute, just like stressful scenarios of like, here's a really intense day in the kitchen uh, as all of these characters who you come to know and love are fighting with each other and trying their best to work hard. But like where the bear succeeds as a TV show is it's not just about cooking and about like, you know, the, the joys of it. It's about, you know, I love thinking and talking about grief. It's about grief and how we often will work ourselves to the bone because that's easier than confronting or processing emotions. And so all of this cool stuff is happening. All this beautiful food is being made and in the back of your head. You're like, but, there is like grief at the center of this and it forms like a really artistic whole eight episodes. It's really well shot, well written. It's very Chicago. The music is stunning and pulls from all sorts of like Chicago artists. I loved it. It comes with my highest chats and recommendations. It's probably the best show that I watched in 2022. So that's the bear. It's on Hulu. Majan, what about you? Awesome. Uh, I've got another show to recommend, which is, uh, 
I did a bunch of basketball-related recommendations lately, um, and I still get basketball content recommended to me. And so you know what? I finally started watching the HBO Max series Winning Time. Uh, the uh, What's that guy? Adam McKay? Yeah. Is that who made that show? Um, from uh, the big short. Max Borenstein. Wait. Max Borenstein did the... Yeah. TV show created by Max Borenstein and Jim Heck for HBO. Based on the book Showtime Magic, Kareem Riley and the LA Lakers Dynasty. Adam McKay isn't involved in it at all? Control F McKay. No. I think because John C. Riley's in it, maybe. Oh, it's like very much interesting. Feels like an Adam okay. McKay thing? Yeah, it, it super feels like that because it's a lot of characters like... It's not just that John C. Riley's in it. It's like... There's a lot of meta characters talking at the camera type of stuff. No, yeah, oh, he is. He directed the He's pilot. Directed, he directed the pilot. He directed the pilot. Okay. 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 Um, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a fun show. I think, um, you know, there's some genuine critique that you can lob at it because it sort of is gleefully fictionalized in a way that to some extent feels irresponsible when you're telling a story about people who are alive and are saying this is not accurate about our lives um but it's entertaining it's a fun time at the tv so uh, you know it's a kind of a partial recommendation with that asterisk uh but winning time i've been having fun watching it it reminds me of uh welcome to rexham which is also on fx and i've been meaning to watch are you familiar with that no what's that Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds bought a soccer team in uh, a Welsh soccer team. It's a documentary in about real them. life. It's a documentary about them actually buying a real life soccer team. Yes. What is uh, it called? Welcome to Wrexham. W R E X H A M. I gotta watch. That. Apparently, it's like what? really good. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, like it happened in September 2020. Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds bought Wrexham AFC. Um, Where is that? Where can you watch that? That's on, I believe it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's it's an FX on Hulu show. That's great. Yeah. But I love, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, Well, that's a great chat, said Magellan. Any other words of wisdom for the folks? Um, No. Okay. You're already wise enough. Yeah. It's inside of you right now. Thank you for being the Lila to my Wolfgang because we just can't keep stop seeing each other naked mm. we just can't stop we just can't keep stop we just can't keep stopping we just stop keeping keep it keep on keeping stop and good night everyone and thanks for listening to chat say bye-bye <laughs>